Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. That's the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. So God, as we open your word this morning, may you open our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, may you illuminate our minds to be able to receive every good thing and every promise that you have waiting for us. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. NBC at church. Kayla, thank you for reading that passage this morning. Uh, if we've not met before, I'm Zane. I'm a preaching minister here at the Round Rock Church of Christ. We have been in a series called Prayer and Fasting. And we've been unpacking this month, what does it look like to draw near to the God who is drawn near to us in Jesus Christ. Now, if this is your first week being with us or you weren't here last week, I'm going to give you a roadmap just so you can know where we have been on this journey so far. The first week of this series, we talked about how prayer is being still before the transforming presence of God. The second week, we talked about how prayer is talking. It's lifting up our mind and it's lifting up our heart to God. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit intercedes for us in what we lift up to God. And then last week, we talked about hearing. We talked about how prayer is not just talking, but is also listening to God as well. And for the last two weeks, we'll be covering fasting. So this week, I'm going to talk about kind of an overview of what fasting looks like. And then next week, I'm going to talk about how fasting is a practice of receiving. And I'm going to answer some smaller questions that come to fasting. But this week is just a large overview of it. There's a joke that's passed around by preachers when it talks about fasting. The story kind of goes like this. There was a grandson who was considering fasting because he had grown up seeing his grandfather fast over and over again. His grandfather, who was a religious man, always felt obligated that he needed to fast. So one year, his grandson asked him what he was going to be giving up for this time of fasting. And his grandfather thought about it for a little bit, and then he decided, after much thought, I'm going to give up drinking liquor. For this time. Inspired, the grandson decided to follow in the footsteps of his grandfather. He decided he was going to give up candy for a certain amount of time. Now, after several weeks, the grandfather thought to himself, why in the world am I still doing this? So when he was out at a baseball game, he ordered a beer. And his grandson, who was sitting next to him, was horrified. And he said, Grandpapa, you said you were giving up liquor. And he said, no, no, you didn't understand me correctly. I said I was giving up hard liquor. This is just a beer. The grandson, very perplexed, thought to himself, well, why am I doing this? So he leaves, and a couple minutes later, he sits down next to his grandfather with a big wad of cotton candy. And the grandfather goes, I thought you were fasting from candy. He goes, no, no, I am fasting from hard candy. Fasting 
is hard. Fasting is not for the faint of heart. If you have ever considered fasting before, where you abstain from food for a certain amount of time, you will most likely have moments where you're like, why am I doing this? Is prayer not enough? Why fast if you're already praying? And one of the reasons Christians have answered why fasting is just as important as praying is because fasting and praying are interconnected. They go together. They're like salt and pepper, bacon and eggs, Tuesdays and tacos. I'm going to move away from the food analogies. Fasting creates space for prayer, and prayer creates space for God. Maybe one way to think of it is like this. Scott McKnight, who is this Christian writer who is just helping us right now in Christian circles, reorient ourselves to Jesus. He says, this is why you should consider fasting. Here's a basic definition of fasting for you. Fasting is a way of praying with your stomach and your body. No one said amen to that, but that's helpful. Fasting is a way of praying with your stomach and your body. Fasting is not for super Christians. Fasting is for anyone who wants to give their whole selves to God. If you've ever prayed or worshipped and said, I want to give all of me to you, welcome to fasting. Fasting is a way to give your whole selves to God. Now, if we consider fasting, there are several questions that will arise. What does fasting look like? How do I fast in the midst of trying to take care of life's needs or my kids? What does the outcome of fasting look like on the other side? How do I fast when none of my life is completely regular right now? And this week, what I want to do is simply provide the fundamentals. And next week, I want to answer a few of those questions. Now, when fasting is talked about in the Bible, Jesus received questions about fasting. Frequent questions about fasting. If you have a Bible this morning, I'd actually encourage you to turn to the passage that was read. It's going to be in Matthew 9. If you're an underliner, I've got some words for you to underline today. And I also just want to add, if you're new to faith or you're new to the Bible, uh, I'm also going to display all these words here today. So you do not have to worry about trying to find a place. Matthew 9 is where we will be. Jesus receives questions about fasting. And one of the first things that we see just in this very beginning of it, I'm going to read to you 14, 15 again. Then John's disciples, people who were preparing for Jesus, John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast frequently? But your disciples, they don't fast. So Jesus answered, how can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is still with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And then, then they're going to fast. Okay, that was a weird response from Jesus. Felt a little bit out of context compared to the question. Here's the first thing I want you to see this morning when it comes to fasting. When Jesus shows up on the scene, fasting frequently has already been happening. 
This is not a new thing. John's disciples, those who were preparing for Jesus, were fasting. Pharisees, those of the Jewish faith, those who were holding the story of God, had already been fasting. And they had been fasting frequently. Now, this is not the only time in the Bible that you would see people fasting frequently. Fasting has a history with God. Anyone who was serious about connecting to God was serious about fasting. If we're just to walk briskly through the scriptures, I mean briskly, okay? If we're fasting in the Bible, we are looking at people like Moses. We're talking about David. We're talking about Elijah. We're talking about Esther. We're talking about Daniel. We're talking about Anna. We're talking about Paul. We're even talking about the man himself. Jesus was fasting. And what's beautiful in just this simple list is you've got younger believers fasting. You've got really older believers fasting. You have Jesus fasting. You have individual fasting. You have communal fasting. Fasting is dripping in the Bible. Anyone who is serious about connecting with God. And this isn't just the pages of Scripture. This is also historically with the early church. Okay, So like the first 300 years after Jesus was raised and resurrected, we have documents, we have records of the early Christians fasting twice a week. It was actually practiced in the Jewish faith that you fasted on Mondays and Thursdays. And early Christians actually came and said, we're going to fast on Tuesdays. Nope, Wednesdays and Friday. Almost got my calendar mixed up there. And you would actually find different forms of fasting by early Christians. Some Christians would fast from the night before, 24 hours, all the way to the next day. You would also find forms of fasting that would be from sunup till sundown on the next day. You actually find all the way to the 1800s. The church was serious about fasting. And one of the reasons the church moved away from the practice of communal fasting was because it went off the rails for what its purpose was supposed to be. And Jesus warned this is the reality when it comes to fasting. Anyone who engages in fasting, there are most likely mistakes on your way because we can quickly move away from what the purpose of it is. This is why in Matthew 6, you find Jesus saying, when you fast, do not fast like the hypocrites, for they love to show off their fasting. Jesus says, do not be like them. When fasting is seen as a method to God or a measurement for God, a mistake is about to happen. And even in this story, you've got two different groups who have two different views of fasting. John's disciples, they're looking at it as preparation. The Pharisees, they would actually be practicing mourning when they fasted before God. And Jesus comes in this story, and he doesn't disregard fasting. That's important for some of us to hear. He actually reframes what fasting looks like. He doesn't degrade it. He reframes it. Look at it again with me in verse 15. Jesus answered, "How can?" and this is just random, right? How can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is still with them? The time 
has come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. The bridegroom. Okay, I did not see an invitation from the knot here. Like, why does Jesus make himself the bridegroom? Now, it's very like scriptural language, right? But like, don't go too far into it. When Jesus talks about himself, he talks about himself as a groom. And he talks about himself as he's in a party. He's in a wedding. He's talking about his presence. When you're in the presence of Jesus, it is a party. Don't tweet that, okay? His presence is something to celebrate. His presence, when you're close to it, is something that would be like feasting and drinking up his presence. And in essence, Jesus is saying, hey, like there's a time to there's a time to fast, but there's also a time to feast. When you are with me, you are feasting. It's, in it, it's as if Jesus is saying, while I'm here in the flesh, it's not time to starve the flesh. But when I'm taken away, when I'm no longer physically with you, then you will need to fast to draw near to my presence. The whole reason Jesus fasts is to focus and feast on him. This is the practice of fasting. If you want to fast, Jesus is at the center of it. Jesus is the whole reason of it. And if we do it for any other reason than Jesus being the center, brothers and sisters in Christ, it is legalism. It is viewing fasting as a formula with God. We do not fast to torture ourselves for the pleasure of God. We do not fast to prove our faith to God. We do not fast to justify ourselves before God of what we have done or haven't done. All those forms are legalism. When we come to fast, we fast, as early Christians say, to feast upon Jesus. It is a way of reorienting ourselves around the presence of God. Fasting moves our minds towards God and reorients our bodies to uniquely draw strength from God. Okay, let me show you an example in scripture where Jesus does this himself. Okay, and this is going to be for those of you who have been walking in faith for a while. We may not pay attention to this very much. John 4, Jesus is going to talk to a woman at the well. And I'm going to show you three pieces where Jesus actually depends on fasting. There's a nice highlight for you. Okay, all right, John 4, this starts in verse 7 and 8. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And then John just wants to know, hey, here's the context of what's happening. His disciples, yeah, they left into town to go pick up some Jack Allens. All right. This is the question that he asks in verse seven. All right. In verse 23, as he's conversing with the woman at the well, at one point he says to her, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers who will worship the father in truth and in spirit, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Jesus says, there's a time coming where they will worship in truth and by spirit. And then check this out. When the disciples come back after this, this is verse 31. I mean, this is too good. Meanwhile, his disciples who came back, they urged him, hey, Rabbi, Rabbi, teacher, you need to eat something. But he said to him, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. 
Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? Did he door dash? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus says there is a time which you actually fast and you feast on something different. To fast is to devote your attention on God's work. God's work that's happening in you, in Christ, and God's work that's happening around you right now. To fast is to invite the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, to sustain you with an energy that you do not know yourself. What I'm trying to say is when you fast, there's more happening than just the calories and caffeine that are flowing through your veins. It gives you a moment to remember the God that you truly depend on for your life. It gives you intimacy with the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth and is coming into our lives. And if I just said a couple of sentences that you're like, ooh, I'm not sure what you meant by some of that. I would recommend you come back next week because I'm going to unpack the last three sentences I just said of that. What I want you to hear this week is that fasting is feasting on God. Lauren Winter, who is this uh, Christian, who she writes extensively of her journey from moving to Judaism to Christianity, reflects on her frustrations that she has with fasting. She actually tells a story where she goes back to one of her rabbis, one of her teachers, and she goes, look, 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 okay, all right. If fasting is focusing on God, why does it hurt to have a bowl of Cheerios in the morning to where I'm not distracted to actually focus on God? And the rabbi said this. He said, you're missing the point. Hunger is the point. Hunger is the point. When you are hungry and you're fasting and you feel that hunger, you are to remember that what you truly hunger for in your life is God. I want to urge some of us, when you sit in your week and you crave about having a different job or retiring from your job, sometimes what we're truly hungering for is Jesus. For some of us who wrestle and struggle with craving for pornography, sometimes what we're really hungering for is Jesus. When we look at other families and we want our family to look like their family, what we're honestly hungering for is Jesus. When we crave food to just have comfort or distraction, usually what we're hungering for is Jesus. And fasting is the practical way that Jesus comes to us and reorients us back to what we truly hunger for. Don't miss the language Jesus literally says at the end. He says, there will be a time to fast when I am taken from them. Then they're really going to need to fast. Brothers and sisters, is there anything that's taken you away from Jesus? Like, do you have anything in life right now that is just pulling you away from Jesus? Fasting can be an answer to that. I want you to even think about just the maintenance of life, right? Like, if I'm just going to pour myself a bowl of Raisin Bran, which I know you're like, that's a hot take. I don't know why you'd pour yourself a bowl of Raisin Bran. If I'm just going to pour myself a bowl of cereal, I want you to think about how much work went into that cereal. At one point, 
I had to put Raisin Bran on a grocery list. At one point, I had to actually go to the store and pick it up. Or better yet, I had to park and someone had to put it in the back of my car. I had to go get the utensils, the bowl, the spoon. I had to go get the milk to put it. I got to go eat it. I got to clean the dish. I got to put it back up. There's so much maintenance in just eating and consuming. And fasting is a way of creating space in our lives for God. If you take all that time and you devote towards God instead of eating, I wonder what would happen. So I want to finish by just practically giving you a one, two, three of if you're going to consider fasting this week. Here's how I would recommend walking through it. Now, before I hit these steps, I do just need to pause. Uh, as a preacher, when you preach on fasting, uh, you always need to make a disclaimer because uh, everyone is in different seasons of life. And I just want to make a recommendation. There are some seasons of life where fasting is simply just not appropriate. It's not the right practice. Let me list a couple. If you struggle in life right now, in your relationship towards food, fasting right now, I would say, is not a good thing to practice. If you are pregnant, if you're breastfeeding, right now is not a good time to be fasting. If you depend on medicine and taking it with food, it is not a good time for fasting. For some of us, we need to wait for different seasons to be able to fast, to do this healthily together. But for some of us, some of us who love three square meals a day, who eating is a hobby, fasting needs to be considered. All right, here's our one, two, three. How do we plan for a fast? Uh, I'm going to give you three words. The first one is you need to pick what you are going to fast. Here's the overall principle. You should fast to the degree that you have actually practiced fasting, okay? If you have never fasted before, I do not recommend fasting for a full 24 hours. You will be mad. You will not come back, <laughs> okay? Don't do Take it in baby steps. One way to think about it is sometimes like people want to jump into fat. How about just fasting from one item of food or drink? Brothers and sisters, I think some of our lives would be turned upside down if you just skipped the coffee for a full day, okay? We don't even need to get to the full meal. And I just want to make a note. Sometimes when people talk about fasting, sometimes you get in a small group circle and people are like, you know, I'm fasting from like technology or I'm fasting from gossip or I'm fat and all those things, very good practices. But I do want to kind of challenge us a little bit. Early Christians, when they talked about fasting, they didn't go nuance it. It was always food. And I want to just bring you back to the tradition that you are growing in right now and actually fast from food. Because in America right now, we are obsessed with food. There's a restaurant called Whiskey Cake, which I'm very excited to go to at some point. But also, we're obsessed with food. And we need to choose what we're going to fast from. So maybe consider picking an item, or maybe if you've done this a little bit before, maybe pick one meal within the day. Or maybe if you've done this a couple times, pick several meals. But you need to pick the degree in which you're going to fast. Step number two, you need to plan when you're going to fast. When we fast, we do not just simply plan to mean that we're skipping. In other words, when you fast, you need to fill your time that you would be eating or preparing food with time actually with 
God. I would recommend it would be really good to practice some of the things we've been talking about in this series. Sitting in silence, lifting your heart and mind before God, spending time listening to the Father. You need to plan what you're going to do instead of eating. And you're going to actually find that like, man, I got to do something because what I want to do right now, what I want to do is eat. And the third is this. You need to pray while you fast. Praying and fasting go together. I would recommend every single time you feel hungry when you fast. I would rip, a pl- I would rip that playbook out of Lauren Winter's writing. When you are hungry, what you need to say to yourself is, my deepest hunger is for you, God. When you walk by and you smell something, you're like, mm, my deepest hunger is for you, God. Your hunger pains are not getting in the way of the process. Your hunger pains are the process. When you hunger, it is turning towards God. It is actually turning to God, being reminded of God, and hungering for God again. We pick, we plan, and we pray when we fast. I want to end with a, with a story. Uh, there's a uh, story that's been passed down. It's kind of a legend. No one's been able to document where it actually originated. But it was a conversation between a disciple and a teacher. And the student so bad, this disciple, he wanted to mature. And he asked the teacher, how do I mature? How do I reach that next level that I'm looking for? And the teacher frustratingly just respond, we cannot make maturity happen more than we can make the sun rise. And perplexed, the student said, then why even pray? If it's just like the sun rising, why even pray? Why put this effort to it? And the teacher said, We pray so we will be awake to be able to watch when the sun rises. Brothers and sisters, that is very close to the conversation you and I have with Jesus. As disciples, we want growth. We want maturity. And oftentimes, we think if we just white-knuckle it, if we just try harder, then we're going to become Mature And our teacher, Jesus, says simply, I need you to open your life up to me. I don't need you to white knuckle this thing more. I need you to open yourself up. I need you to open yourself up in giving. I need you to open yourself up in praying. I need you to open yourself up in fasting. And then I need you to let the Spirit of God bring something on the horizon that you didn't even know that you need. Did you notice every time Jesus talks about fasting, He is transparent. There is a gift. There is a reward. He's very clear about that. The question is, will we open our hands and do the things to be able to receive the reward that's waiting for us? Will we open our hands? Will we fast? In a moment, there's going to be a table that's near to you. There's two in the back, and there's three up at the front. And today, we're actually going to invite you to feast upon the body of Jesus. The bread is the body of Jesus. The cup, the juice, is representative of the blood of 
Jesus. And whatever hunger pains you bring to church today, whatever your deepest craving, Christians have said this is the unique moment where God reminds us that God is fulfilling us in Jesus Christ. I love that we take a small cracker and a small amount. I didn't used to love it. As a kid, I despised how small the communion was. I was like, this ain't a meal. Okay, what kind of ripoff is this? This church budget's terrible. But when we... But when we come and we take just that little bit of cracker that gets stuck in the back of your teeth, when you take that little bit of juice, that's us saying just a little bit of Christ is abundance for us. That's what we say when we take this. This small amount is abundance for us. And I challenge you this week, for many of us looking to mature and grow, we need to fast this week. We need to depend on what we declare when we take the body and the blood of Jesus. And in addition to taking the meal today, there's going to be a couple people, which I'd go ahead and invite Ted and Jason. Um, there's going to be a couple people that are in the back by the doors, and they're just going to be available for prayer today. And I just want to urge us, because I do think we have a stigma that we think if someone goes back and prays with someone, ooh, something's going on in their life. Or ooh, mm. Yeah, I knew it was time for them to pray. Like, we need to get rid of that stigma. All of us need prayer. All of us need dependence upon God. So today, when you go, and we're going to invite you, you can come up, you can take it, you can take the elements. Afterwards, I'd encourage you to go back and pray with them. If they're praying with someone else, you can stand in the back. You can wait for them. We're going to sing a couple songs. It's not super fast. It's not a moment where you're like... Do I do it? Do I not do it? Okay, I'm just going to sit back down. No, no, no. We're going to spend a couple of songs actually taking communion. And some of us are actually be prayed over. Come on, I mean, think about some of the conversations you've had this week. Some of us need prayer. Some of us need to fast. Jesus says you do not put new wine into old wineskins. In essence, what Jesus is saying is I'm doing something new. I'm keeping the promises of the God who you've known, but I'm doing something new in Jesus Christ. If you're craving something new, if you're craving to know how God wants to mature you, I urge you, take the meal and pray with someone in the back today.